Welcome to the podcast of Living Water Bible Fellowship. We are a church in Alamosa, Colorado, and here you can find our sermons and other occasional teachings. We hope and pray that this podcast encourages you in your walk with Jesus and increases your understanding of God's Word and the Gospel. Through Jesus, anyone can have new life, can have freedom, and can have ultimate salvation. Stick around to the end of this podcast to learn more about what the gospel is and how to be saved. And now, on to our teaching. Praise God. Please open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 3. The book of Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. Chapter 3, verse 14. May God bless the reading of His holy word. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, The words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered. You say, I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich, and white garments, so that you may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and solve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. To the one who conquers, I'll grant him to sit with me on my throne, as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Have you ever known somebody claiming to be a Christian, but you haven't seen or heard or experienced any evidence of their claim in their life? Have you ever, have you ever seen somebody maybe that has a nice big Christian bumper sticker Or maybe they have some wall art in their home. But you can tell over the years in associating with them and going into their home or doing business with them that they aren't serving the Lord Jesus by any means. The things that Jesus Jesus loves, they don't love. The things that God cares about, they don't care about. Have you you seen that before? Have you known people that um, tell you that they're followers of Jesus but their life is built on the accumulation of wealth. Their life is built on their self-enjoyment, their self-fulfillment of how they live. Their life is all about them and never about the Lord Jesus. Certainly you've experienced people who have claimed to walk with Jesus, claimed to love Jesus, but at the end of the day you've never seen it. 
And you wonder, how could they believe that they are believers? How could they believe, how could they think that they are Christians? Well, they might be attenders or even members of the first church of Laodicea. This is an ancient church. Modern-day Turkey, again, is where it was located. The, uh, the, the, the town was started by a Seleucid king, a Greek king. Uh, he named it after his wife, if I can say it right, Laodicea. And it became known as Laodicea. It was eventually taken over by the Romans. The Romans made it uh, an important place. It became a, uh, a center of business, a center of commerce, a center of wealth, a center of prosperity. And at one point, the church was started there, a church, we think again, in the mid-50s of uh, A.D. And we don't know how long or how strong the church was, but Jesus wrote to this church. And this is absolutely the worst. The seven churches we've looked at, we've seen churches that when Jesus talked about them, he, he found no fault. He found nothing to complain about or nothing to challenge them on in terms of their obedience, in terms of their works, in terms of their love, in terms of their service. And there were some churches that were pretty good. They had some things that were strong and Jesus commended them for and other things that he challenged them on. And then we have a few churches that are just poor. We can tell that Jesus loves them. We can tell that Jesus is patient with them. We can tell that Jesus is calling them back. But they're, for all intents and purposes, dead in their faith. There's no evidence. There's no uh, testimony. There's no people saying, hey, I know Jerron's a Christian because he did this, or he loved, or he prayed, or he sought the Lord in, in any special way. They are the church in Laodicea, and they have no testimony. Jesus calls them to repent. Jesus calls them to come back to Him. Let's look at it a little bit. Jesus calls all those who would pretend they're Christians, all those who are posing as Christians, all those who maybe grew up in a Christian culture but never come to Christ, He calls them to come to Him, to live for Him now, to follow Him, to serve Him as their Lord. Jesus writes to them, uh, as we've seen the pattern, He brings uh, a characterization of Himself, a picture of Himself that is very appropriate to that very church. And notice how Jesus speaks to this church. He calls Himself, He, he uses an Old Testament title for, for Yahweh, an Old Testament title for God in describing Himself. He says, I'm the Amen. The Amen writes to you. Now, uh, Amen, what does that mean? We, we say it all the time in, in these settings. Maybe you've Raising your kids around the dinner table at the end of the prayer, you said amen. And, and, and a rough kind of translation of that is, so be it. So be it. Uh, Jesus, uh, maybe 30 times in the Gospel of Matthew, maybe 25 times in the Gospel of John, he's recorded as saying, amen. A statement of veracity, a statement of truth. If, he, if he's preaching something or teaching something, he says, amen beforehand. This is the truth. Or if he wants to encourage people, to, to, to follow it and do it, so be it. Amen. And isn't it fascinating? He calls himself the amen. He calls himself the truth. 
uh, combined with the, the term faithful and true witness. He's God's faithful and true witness. Not deceptive, not lying, not deceitful in any way. And the reason why he says, I'm the amen, I'm the faithful and true witness, is because he knows the people in Laodicea are deceiving themselves. They're, they're mistaken about their identity. They, they don't understand how far they are from God. They think they're close to God. And so he comes to them and here's the truth. The truth says, the beginning of God's creation says, now that's a, there's a whole sermon here on Jesus' identity, his attributes, his historical works in time and space. Um, some of your translations say he's the originator of creation or the ruler of creation. All those translations are possible. He says, I'm the maker of all things. I'm the one who began it all. I'm the one who's overseen it all. And so again, as many places in Revelation, he, he says that I, the Old Testament, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. He's claiming to be that very God who's make, made all things. To the church in Laodicea, uh, who are so smug, so full of themselves, thinking they don't need anything, they don't need anyone, that they have the world by the tail, that they are in control. <laughs> the truth says, the ruler says, repent, come back to your senses, come back to reality, start following me. Make me the focus, the single-minded focus of your life. You think that because of your wealth, because of your prosperity, because of all the good things you have going in your life that I'm close to you, couldn't be further from the truth. You're so far away from me. You're so distant from me. You left me so long ago. It's, not, it's like you're not even in my family anymore. So he comes to them, and, and through the mediation of John, the apostle, he brings this message to the church. And as he always starts in these, in these passages, I know your works. Now, notice how he talks about these things. You are neither cold nor hot. What's the analogy? What's, what's the, the, the picture here? Would you, I would that you would, were either cold or hot. That you're lukewarm. Neither hot nor cold. Now, we, uh, this is a metaphor we often get wrong. It's an analogy that we, always, we, we sometimes mistake. Because when we think of lukewarm, what do we think of? We think of water that's not too hot, not too cold. It's just right. Or we think of, in, in a spiritual sense, we think of, man, to be hot is to be passionate. Like, I'm going to be hot for my faith. I'm going to live passionately and zealously. And there's a command in this text to be zealous. And repent. But why would Jesus say, I wish you'd be cold? It, it, the way we think about it, like uh, lukewarm is one foot in, one foot out, halfway committed. Like in sports, we never want anybody to be halfway ready to tackle someone or halfway ready to run or something like that. Or as a soldier, never be halfway committed. Right? Lukewarmness is a terrible attribute in so many so many ways to be a Christian, and we, we, we oftentimes talk about being lukewarm Christians, and, and it's, it's a bad thing, but it's, it's not what he's saying here. In terms of one foot in, one foot out, halfway, uh, spiritually indifferent or whatever, he's using, a, he, he's making a much harsher point. 
The, you know, if, if you've studied this at all, you know the kind of the history here of Heropolis. Uh, six miles away, it had hot springs. And Colossae, ten miles away, they had this snow melt water. They were in the mountains. They had the cold drinking water that was so priceless. Uh, uh, Laodicea didn't have a drinking source of their own, so they had to pipe it in. And, and you can imagine how hard it is to pipe things in our day and age. Back in, back in the day, six miles of piping... Well, it came from a hot, hot springs, and by the time it got to Laodicea, it was warm. But it wasn't just warm, it was dirty. The piping they used, the silt in the water, it was gross. And so Jesus says, hey, uh, I wish you would be cold, meaning I, positively, I wish you would have works that made a difference in people's lives. I wish you would be cold, like the, like the cold water in Colossae, it's so good to drink. It's so good for so many things. I wish that you had good works in your life. I wish that you were good in so many ways, but you're not. I don't see any evidence. You're not working at all for me. You say you're a Christian, but I don't see any evidence of your faith, your love for me. You don't have a vision for exalting me. You don't have a heart to live for me. I wish you were cold in, in, the, in, the, in the analogy, like that cold water that you drink. I wish you were hot, like, like the hot springs, like... They, they would go to Heropolis and they'd soak medicinally in the hot springs. I wish you were refreshing in that way. I wish you were, were doing good things in some fashion, in some ways, but you're not. I wish you were feeding the poor. I wish you were praying for, for the widows. I, I wish you were loving people in my name, but you're not doing anything. And so the, the big analogy, the big picture here is like that water, you know, if you grew up in Laodicea, you know, maybe your stomach is used to the water. But you travel places around the world, and if you're not used to the water, what does it do to your stomach? He's, he's saying to the church, like, the way you're living right now, you're claiming to be my followers. You're claiming to be my people, but you're living for self. You're living for wealth. You're living for prosperity. You're living for... <laughs> it makes me want to vomit. And so basically he's saying, you have no Christian testimony, you have no walk with me, you have no faith in me. And, and, and as people come to your town and they drink the water and they go, oh, when I look at you, Laodiceans, and your claim to be walking with me and the way you live makes me sick to my stomach. I wish you had some works here that were cold water-like works, and I wish you had some hot water-like works. It was clear. He's not saying, I, I wish you were spiritually indifferent. I wish you were cold in your faith. Absolutely not. He's making the point, you're sick. Your, your, your lifestyle, in my sight, is you're not doing anything for me. And you claim to be my people. It's a lie, the way you're living. And so he, he gets after him, And he wouldn't be writing this letter if he didn't want them to change, right? He, he could just let him go. He could just let them keep backsliding and keep living for themselves and keep living in evil ways, selfish ways. But he doesn't. He calls them out because he wants them to change. He wants them to become the people that they claim to be. He continues in verse 17. Uh, when you study your Bible, you're always looking for connecting words or linking words or understanding. So the verb in verse 17, the four, some of your translations say because. Uh, why are they so off? Why are they so sick? Why are they not living as Christians? Why, why don't they have any Christian testimony? They don't have any proof of their faith. For 
you say, I'm rich. I've prospered. I need nothing. Can you hear the pride there? Can you hear the arrogance? I don't need God. I, even though they say, uh, well, God must be blessing me because I'm so wealthy. God must be, man, he must really care about me, and he does, because he keeps pouring out riches. I must be the apple of his eye because I'm receiving so much, so much. Somehow they're connecting their wealth with being right with God. Somehow they're connecting their, their affluence. It's a rich place, you guys. It was a rich place. Uh, I don't know what it, towns in Colorado, some of the mountain towns that are so wealthy and have so much money, Laodicea was stronger and more wealthy than they are. The wealth of the world was in this place. The other, the other churches we've studied, they, they were in such bad environments. They are being persecuted. They had false teachers. They had false doctrine. They were suffering. They were poor. They were in terrible circumstances. Not Laodicea. Other than their poor water and the earthquakes that <laughs> come now and then, it, it was a great place to live. And, and the people were like, oh, I'm so, I'm so good I'm so great. Uh, look at all this. I have everything. I don't have to worry about it. Look, my, my, I've got all the platinum cards. I've got full bank accounts. What could I be lacking? Jesus says, you're, you say you're rich. You say you've prospered. You say you need nothing. Not realizing. And he gives them their spiritual state. That you're wretched. You're pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. <laughs> The first two, first two words are kind of general descriptions of their state. Wretched. Some of your translations say miserable. You've uh, probably, like me, known some rich people that are pretty miserable. In, in, in the outward things, they put on a lot of pride. They wear the best clothes. They got the best haircuts. They got everything going on. But inside, they're like lost and they're miserable. Well, he's talking about their spiritual state. In my sight, you might think that I'm close to you. You might think that, you know, we're, we're like that. But I see you as wretched. Uh, from the Almighty God, from the Creator of heaven and earth, the one who's made us to know Him and love Him, to, to, for Him to describe that state is, is an incredible punch to the gut. You can, you can understand is that they came to church that morning in all their finery and all their, all their best clothes and all their, you know, all their wealth and they're congratulating one another about how good they are. And they hear the reader on, on Sunday morning, hey, we got this letter from the Apostle John. Let me read it to you. You bunch of wretches. You scum of the earth in terms of your spirituality. Pitiable. God looks at pity upon them because they think they, they're close, but they're so far away. And then he uses uh, three descriptions that, that are very particular to the local culture. And there's, it, this is full of irony. There, there's some truth here that's being on the surface, but it goes much deeper. It's dripping with irony. When he says, poor, blind, and naked, verse 18... And so uh, he comes to them in, in, in like an ironic voice or this sarcastic voice. I advise you. I counsel you. He's the Lord of all. He's already revealed. I'm the maker of heaven and earth. I, I counsel you, all you wise people. All you people think you know so much. All you people that, that think you've got the world at your grasp, that you can tell the world what to do, that you're in control. I come to you humbly. You know, you just the Lord of all coming to them in that way. I counsel you who are so used to buying everything you want on Amazon. You have the unlimited credit card. You have the unlimited uh, buying potential. Buy for me what you really need. 
Buy from me, it says, and, and these are uh, Old Testament terms, biblical terms that have some, some uh, traction if you know the story behind the scenes. If you buy from me gold refined by the fire. Uh, so, you know, gold is it's put on the crucible. The, the fire comes and it melts away the impurities and you have something pure. Come to me and, and, and seek out a pure faith. Come to me and, and get a faith that really is true and alive. Ask me for what you really need. It, it's, you think you have uh, something that's solid and strong and, and healthy, but it's not. It's disgusting. Buy from me what, a faith and a belief and a love for God that, uh, that you can't get with your wealth. So that you may be rich in, in white garments, so that you may clothe yourselves uh, so, so I got to tell you, the, 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 for whatever reason, and I tried to look up the history and it was a little bit fuzzy to me, Laodicea was a center of banking. They had all these banks that were so wealthy and so rich, like, and they weren't FDIC approved, right? It, there were banks that could rip people off very easily and, and they, they, you know, there wasn't regulations, government regulations, so they were known as, as kind of predatory kind of things. But they got rich and rich and rich. They had all the money they could ever, ever want. And so they, they, there was an earthquake in 60, I think 60 AD or something like that. And the town was wiped out. And, and Rome said, hey, we can help. The, you know, like, not the federal government. The, the Fed said, hey, we got some funds for you if you do what we say. And they said, no, we got it. And so they were so rich, they built gymnasiums and they built these, 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 these massive uh, uh, coliseum type uh, structures. And it was more beautiful than before the earthquake came because they had all this money uh, they were famous for their, their textile industry. They, they produced this, the, this black wool, this, this luxurious soft wool that was famous around the world. And so they'd make clothing or carpets or rugs out of it, and it was famous, and the money just was rolling in, rolling in. Um, the, and, and Jesus says to them about, about that, he, he uses that as a launching point, and he says, hey, you guys think you're always dressed in the Armani clothes, or all these are the best clothes, you got everything that you could ever want. Uh, you know, you're famous for your clothing. Buy for me the garments that you really need. And, and white garments, biblically, a symbol of righteousness or purity, justification, acceptance from God. Uh, we, as we keep reading in the book of Revelation, we'll see those that have been slaughtered, those who have been, become martyrs, they're wearing white. And, you know, Jesus with his white, uh, his white outfit with a sash, it's just something, get what, get what the righteousness you need from me. You think your righteousness, your, that you're righteous in God's sight by your works, by your efforts, you know, by, by the way you live, you're not. You're wretched, you're pitiable. Uh, you, you need what I can give you. Come to faith in me. Uh, and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. You know, so he's saying, man, you're poor, you're blind, you're naked, and to be naked is to be humiliated. Uh, spiritually, it's like you, you think you're, you're the emperor with clothes, but you have no clothes. You're just embarrassment. Your spirituality. You know, you say you're Christian, you don't pray. You say you're Christian, you don't give. You say you're Christian, you don't love. You don't do anything in my name. You're not about my kingdom. You're, you, you say that you want to do my will, but you're not interested at all in doing my will. It's all about you and your efforts and your, your kingdom that you're building. You're, you're naked, you're, you're poor, and you're also blind. Uh, in in the, uh, the town of Laodicea, they had, a, they had this... this Medical facility, if you want to call it that, this medical school. They, they made the Phrygian powder, powder, is what it was called. It was a famous, in the ancient day, the Phrygian powder. It was an eye salve. Uh, it was this compound thing that they made a big deal. Apparently, it, it healed eye infections. 
uh, or so, to, they, so they said. <laughs> but they made a lot of money on that, like everyone wanted it, you know. And so they, here's this, 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 this church and this people like, man, we, we know how to cure blindness. We know how to make people see. And Jesus says, you're blind spiritually. You think you're close to me? You think you're walking with me? You think you see the truth? I am the truth and you're nothing like me. You're living for the world. You're living in your own passions, your own, your, own, your own dreams. What about the kingdom of God? What about righteousness? What about holiness? What about love? No, you need to buy from me. You need to take from me what I give you, and then you'll see, because right now you're blind and you're naked and you're poor. And so you see the, the metaphor and the, and the imagery, how he's taken from their culture, and he's saying, let's turn that spiritually. Let's make that a spiritual emphasis and Get true riches, get spiritual riches in Jesus Christ is the preaching of the church, is the preaching of the truth, the amen. He says, come to me for what you need. It's, it's a kind of a tragic scene in, in so many ways. Um, but again, he, he comes to them in verse 19 and he says, those whom I love, so I, I love you. Maybe, maybe this is a second or third generation thing. Like maybe the parents, they started, they planted the church. The parents were excited about Jesus. They're living for Jesus. They're obeying Jesus. They're following Jesus. But maybe the second and third generation said, meh, this is the meh church. What about God? Yeah, our parents built this building. Our parents did all this stuff. But the new generation's like, meh, who cares? It's more about the money. It's more about the bling. It's more about my reputation. And so, Jesus, I, I love you guys. Man, maybe there's a time where you were following me. Maybe there's a time you were walking with me closely. Maybe there's a time where you were obeying me and you wanted to see me glorified in the eyes of others. You wanted to exalt me. You sing, I exalt you, Lord. But there was a time where you actually worked at that. But no more. But I love you and those whom I love. I reprove prove and discipline. Um, he's already warned them, I'm, I'm about to come and spit you out of my mouth. It's a statement of judgment because of their uh, lackadaisical ways, um, their focus on themselves, their complete disregard of God. He's, he's about to judge them, but he says, man, if you are zealous, like come back and get excited about God. Come back and be zealous and passionate about God and repent. Like, Turn back to the, I mean, that's why we do the Lord's table, right? Where we, we see the Lord's table, we remember what he's done for us, and they're supposed to spur us on what he's done for us, how he saved us by his grace. We're supposed to respond in worship like, oh, wow, how awesome is my God. He's saying, come back to understanding your God is awesome. Come back to understanding your God is great. Come back to understanding how glorious your God is. And repent. Leave these ways of selfish living. Leave these ways of making life about you and your glory. Uh, start living with a single-minded focus on me. It's a big call. It's a challenging call for people that are living in self-indulgence, living in self-satisfaction, living in self-security, like that have a lot of money and they can take care of anything they want to anytime they can. Um, it's it's kind of like what, what Jesus said, it's so hard for the wealthy to enter the kingdom of heaven because they have this substitute God that they can always turn to when they want to. And these guys are worshiping money. They've made an idol out of their wealth, out of their influence. But Jesus calls them to repent. Stop trusting in worldly things. All that's going to burn. Trust in me. And trust in me alone. Uh, 
Of the seven churches, uh, if you went around the world, if you went to Nigeria, if you went to South Africa, if you went to Japan, if you went to Russia, what of the seven churches would, uh, would they say best describes American Christianity? One guess. They would say American Christians are Laodiceans. The Christians around the world that are suffering for Jesus, the Christians around the world that, you know, they don't have two, two dimes rubbed together, but they tithe 10%. The Christians around the world <laughs> that, that they get beat up because they're Christians, they look at us and they say, oh, those, those American Christians, it, it, they, they talk about Jesus, they put pictures of Jesus on their wall, they, they, they say nice, simple Christian phrases to one another, but when they it comes to live, and it's all about the bling. It's all about the money. It's all about that real God they serve, wealth. They're more interested in retirement, saving for retirement, than they are about the kingdom of God. They're more interested in uh, the newest shoes or the newest fashion or the best-looking four-wheeler possible than Jesus Christ. That's our reputation. Are we Laodiceans? Or are we followers of Jesus? Jesus knows. Jesus knows where you are and where I am. Jesus knows what my idols are or what your idols are, if we have idols. He knows where our hopes are and where our dreams are. He knows our motivations and our lusts and our loves. And if they're not Him, if He isn't the focus of our life, if He isn't the apple of our eye, if he isn't our king, if he isn't the one we're serving, if he isn't the one we're loving, if he isn't the one we're following, he calls us to repent and get zealous again for God, live for God again. And it comes uh, to us in verse 20, um, a verse that's often used evangelistically, a verse, a verse that comes to people in so many ways uh, to non-Christians. But Jesus originally spoke this to the church. Uh, they were so far from him. They were so immersed in their wealth and their affluence and living their lives to the fullest. What's the best life possible? It's, it's you know, kind of thing. They were so into that. Instead of Jesus, he, he almost spoke to them as non-Christians. It was like a last-ditch effort. And the way he talks about it is so personal and so intimate, maybe somebody here needs to hear this today. Because maybe you've locked Jesus out of your life. Maybe you said you're a Christian, but he couldn't be farther away today. Jesus comes to you, and maybe he says these words. Behold. I think he'd say it in a much more gentle voice than that. Jeron. I stand here outside the door of your life. I see all that you're doing, all that you're uh, uh, chasing, all the ways you're living, and, uh, but I'm standing here knocking. You've locked me out of your life. You've locked me out of your church. You've locked me out of your purposes, your dreams. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will, and, and isn't this amazing, the, the creator of the universe who could break down any door, who could insert himself in anyone's life, but he, nothing stops him. He comes and he invites you and I to open the door to him. 
open our life to Him, to invite Him in to be our Lord, to be our Savior, to be our King. I will come in. The promise is if you do, if you, if you want God in your life, if you want to bow the knee to Him, if you want to surrender your life to Him, if you want to be with Him, He will come. Again, the Lord of 100 million galaxies being made, the one who did that, He invites you to make the decision to receive Him. Again, or for the first time today, I will come in and I will eat with him and he with me. What, what, a, what a, a beautiful picture in, in ancient cultures and even today in certain parts of the world. To eat with somebody connotes having a life with them. To eat a meal, and that's why the Pharisees and the Sadducees got so upset with Jesus for eating with prostitutes and sinners and tax collectors because he was saying to them that they mattered, that he wanted to have a relationship with them, that he wanted them to be in his life. And they, they couldn't stand it. Those sinners, yeah, even you, even me. He welcomes anybody that will turn to him and have faith in him to be saved, to be part of his life. Is that you today? To, to be victorious, to conquer, to overcome is to have faith in Jesus, to keep faith in Jesus, to live as Jesus is your Lord to faithfully follow Him by the grace of God for the rest of your life. He says to those who conquer, I'm going to have you rule with me. What's that about? He's talking about, remember in Genesis, when He made us in the image of God, He made our ancestors in the image of God, and He made them vice-regents, He made them stewards over the earth to bring forth life. What happened back then he said, hey, I want you to rule over creation. Take care of those animals. Take care of that land in my name, in my stead. Now he's saying, man, you come to me. You live for me. You become my person. You become relation with me. You're saved. One day again in eternity, you're going to be the steward that I made your ancestors to be. You're going to be the, the vice ruler, as it were, the, 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 the governor of that land or that place in my name with my light, with my love, with my... Te Imagine eternity in an infinite universe, as it were. What does God plan for those who love Him, who serve Him now? Please, if you are far from God, come back. If you've left Jesus behind and you're living for self, repent. Come back to Him and live for Him. If you are... Uh, trapped and mired in sinful ways, come to Jesus. Ask Him to heal you. Ask Him to deliver you. Ask Him to rescue you and make you His. And you will. The invitation is there. Would you please? If you're wise, if, if any of this makes sense, come to Him and start living as a Christian. From now on, the grace of God is freely given. It's freely offered. We receive it freely as a gift. May that be you. And may He get our worship and our praise forevermore. Church, would you please stand in the Lord's presence? Lord God Almighty, we thank You for Your grace towards us. We thank You for always approaching us. You're so patient. You're so kind. Uh, all the hundreds of ways we've denied you, all the hundreds of ways that we've uh, turned away from you and made this life about us instead of about you, we, we, we ask your forgiveness, Lord.
But we ask, Lord, that you would give us the grace in our hobbies, in our, in our businesses, in our, our plans and our purposes, that we would do it for you. Give us the grace to live for you. Give us the grace to serve you. For you are so worthy, Lord. Help us to be that people that worship you in all of our ways. For you are worthy of it all. Lord, thank you for loving us and thank you for calling us to be close to you. Thank you for forgiving our sins. Thank you for making us yours. And may, for the rest of our days, Lord, may you get all the, all the worship. May you get all the praise, all the fame. May all that we do glorify you and point to you as, as our God. Send us out now into the world and let us be your witnesses and testifiers of how great you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. The gospel according to the Bible is that Jesus Christ, who was and is the eternal God, took on human flesh, was born of a virgin, died for our sins on the cross, and rose from the dead three days later. He then ascended to the Father's right hand, where he sits making intercession for his people, and right now he is establishing the kingdom of God on earth. You can enter into a saving relationship with God by repenting of your sins and placing your full trust in Jesus' life, his death and resurrection on your behalf. In Christ you will find forgiveness, acceptance, freedom, peace, hope, and a future. If you would like more information about Christianity or Living Water Bible Fellowship, visit our website at livingwateralamosa.org. God bless.